Amen. Amen. All right, we're continuing our series called Tasked. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to follow Christ. Each one of us has been chosen by God. We've been picked by God to follow Him. Some will accept the challenge and will go, like Noah. God said to Noah, build a boat out in the middle of nowhere, a humongous, great big boat. He said, yes, sir. Took him a hundred years. Took him a hundred years to build the boat. God said to Moses, hey, Moses, I got a job for you. Moses said, ah, me? I think he got the wrong guy. Very rational response, bad response. That's not the response of faith. That's the response of looking at yourself rather than looking at God. And then we've got Jonah God said, Jonah, I got something for you to do. Jonah said, no, forget it. And he ran. That's a bad option. We want to be like Noah. Yes, sir, I will. I will accept the mission. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to follow Christ. How do we follow Christ? We've been talking about that the last several weeks. We want to be people of love. The greatest commandment is to love God. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. We are to be people who love God, who are in love with God. We don't have a a fear relationship with God. We don't have a shame relationship with God. We don't have a distant relationship with God. We have a love relationship with God. And that's augmented through worship. We're going to talk about worship later today. How do we worship God? And then we're to love others. And that can be challenging. Love your neighbor? Okay, not so bad. Love your brother and sister in Christ? Well, that can be tricky. Love your enemy, the Bible says. Jesus says, love your enemy. You know, like if you, if you just love people who love you, what good is that? Jesus says, you know, big deal. Anybody can do that. We're to be people of love. We're to walk in love. We're to have an attitude of love, not an attitude of pride, not an attitude of indifference, not an attitude of, of uh, being burnt out, not having the time of day for people. We're to have an attitude of love and interest in others. We are, our mission, should we choose to accept it, is to be a person of faith. To walk by faith, not by sight. To be overcomers. To be people who see an obstacle and look at that obstacle square in the face and say, my God is bigger than you. We are to walk by faith, not by sight. We're not to shrink back, but we are to overcome. We are to walk by faith. Faith will bring us down a particular road to a destination. Fear will take us down a different road. Sin will take us down another different road. There's all these different things that can happen. We walk by faith. We get to live out the blessings of God. It unlocks the power of God for your life, walking by faith. Last week, we talked about your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to go into the entire world and make disciples of all nations. The great commission that Jesus gave to the church. Now, this is not my job. It's our job. Be a person of love, that's my job. Walk by faith, not by sight, that's my job. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, that's our job. And that's not Good Hope's job. That's not the churches of Cloquet's job. That is the job of all the believers around the globe. It is our job. It's the corporate job to go and make disciples of all nations. And we all need to play our part in that, whatever that part may be. Is shoveling snow part of the Great Commission? Absolutely. Because there needs to be the infrastructure there. There needs to be strong local churches so that people can be sent. It's all part of the same thing. If we don't have strong churches, we can't do missions. Now, 
this week, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to be a worshiper of God. Let's pray, and we'll look into what the Bible has to say about worship. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for November 1st, 2015, Lord, 1030 service. Lord, thank you for bringing us together right now. Lord, I thank you that that you don't leave us down here to wander around, do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word when we seek you out. So Lord, guide us this morning. Show us what you've got for us. Help us to draw closer to you and be able to serve you better. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to be a worshiper of God. Worship is a little hard to define. I was looking through it, you know, this week, studying the Hebrew words that are translated worship, studying the Greek words that are translated worship, and there's a whole bunch of them. It's not like there's one word that's translated worship. There's a bunch, bunch, bunch of different words that are translated worship. So it's sort of like, you know, when we talk about snow, we've got maybe a few words for snow. You know, we've got snurt, and, you know, and I'm from North Dakota. Snurt was a real thing, that snow and dirt mixed together. Uh, and you got... You got corn snow, you know, you got sleet, you got snow drifts, you know, you got uh, powder, you know, you, you got different types of snow. But Eskimos, I guess, have like 20 different words for snow, and we've got a few. This worship thing, there's so many different parts of our walk with God that is described as worship that it's difficult to define. You know, in our circles, Worship is the music part of the service on Sunday. That's what we use the word for. That is a little itty bitty bit of what the Bible means with worship. It's a little piece of it. You go to other churches, worship is the entire Sunday service. You know, uh, it's fun to go to Jamaica because they have divine worship at this time. You know, that's the name of it's not Sunday morning service. It's divine worship. And so you show up for divine worship, get all dressed up, and it's awesome, you know. And so for some, it's the entire service. But even in the Bible, worship is described very, very broadly. So how are we going to look at worship? Um, Are there right ways to worship and wrong ways to worship? How does that work? You know, like... uh, wasn't it fun to watch the uh, How Great Thou Art, 1957? That's really cool. Drummers don't like How Great Thou Art from 1957. <laughs> it does not follow a beat. There is no rhythm to that. It's just sort of like, well, I'm ready to start singing again, and you just start singing. And, and so if you noticed, Andrew, he, he, you know, we're trying to figure it out. Like, you know, how do you play drums to this? You know, it's very difficult. It's just a different style. Is one right and one wrong? No. It's not right and wrong. It's just different. But are there acceptable ways to worship and unacceptable ways to worship? Are there ways that we can get a hold of the heart of God with this and ways that maybe we miss the heart of God? Absolutely. So we're going to start in John chapter 4. And we're going to look at a conversation, a piece of a conversation that Jesus had with a Samaritan woman. Now that in in and of itself was pretty crazy at the time. 
The disciples go to buy food. Jesus is hanging out at the well. He's, he's tired. They've been walking for a long time. Not only does he initiate a conversation with the woman, he initiates a conversation with the Samaritan, which is like not okay, a Samaritan woman. And so he's sending a message. You know, Jesus told parables more than just with words. He told parables with actions as well. And so he was bringing in the people outside of the inner circle of the Jewish culture into the things of God. And so let's look at this section from that conversation. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So does the Father seek worshipers? God Almighty is seeking worshipers among the people of the earth. He's looking to find people who are willing to worship and honor him, revere him, praise his name. He's looking for worshipers. And he seeks worshipers not who are willing to meet in the right building or in the right town, like Jerusalem at the big mega church in Jerusalem. They had a mega church back then. It was the temple. And they did incredible, amazing things. Temple sacrifices, incredible worship at the temple in Jerusalem. And in Samaria, of course, they couldn't go to the temple because they're Samaritans and there was all the racial tensions and all those sorts of things. And so they worshiped somewhere else. And she was saying, what's the right way to worship, here or there? And he says, well, it's not really about where you're standing. It's not about the environment that you're in. It's about worshiping in spirit and in truth. It's about what's on the inside of you. That's true worship. And he finishes out verse 24. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. We must worship in spirit and in truth. And so what Jesus is saying again is that worship is on the inside. It's not on the outside. It's not something I can necessarily see. Like, for example, again, in our circles, you know, like we like to, uh, I like to raise my hands. I like to encourage other people to raise their hands, things like that. You know, is this, this is like, well, worship didn't go that great. Worship was okay. That was pretty good. Oh, yeah, we had awesome worship. You know, is is that how it works or not? You know, I mean, because it doesn't matter where your hands are, right? It matters where your heart is. That's the thing that matters. It's a little challenging, though, living in a Scandinavian area because there there can be a man in church doing this, having a powerful moment with God. You know what I mean? Like, you just, no one else gets to see it. It's just, it's going on, but nobody gets to see. We we got those nice walls going up. So I'm not going to make an assumption that there isn't a powerful move of God happening in someone's heart if they're not doing the proper calisthenics. But, you know, Jesus is saying, we need to worship in spirit and in truth. It's not about where you're standing. It's, It's about how. 
And not how with regards to, again, as where you put your hands. It's how as to where is your heart when you're worshiping. Worship in spirit and in truth. To get a good grasp on this, how to worship God, we're going to look at three things. First thing we're going to look at is our relationship with God relating to who's bigger. The second thing we're going to look at, what type of worship does God not accept? Does he not like? And then we're going to look at what type of worship does God like that he does accept according to the scriptures. So first, let's talk about our relationship with God. Here's something that's very important, breaking news at Good Hope Church. You and God are not peers. You're not on an equal plane. You know, uh, we like to sing the song, I am a friend of God, right? I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. You know, does that mean that we're peers? Now we're hanging out. We play Monopoly sometimes. You know, I kid him periodically. You know, we're not peers. It's not me and God are buds, right? Jesus did say to his disciples, I call you friends. Hallelujah for that. It's based on scripture. We are to have an intimate relationship with God, but we need to understand God is God. And we are his creation. He's everlasting and eternal, always has been. We've been brought into existence by him. We have no claim on this life. I couldn't make myself exist. He just gave me that. Hallelujah. Same thing for you. You couldn't make yourself be here. We are created by God. He is awesome and majestic and incredible. And we are very small in comparison. If we could see the fullness and the completeness of God, I don't know that we could handle it. God is just magnificent and incredible and amazing. And we're people. Now, is there a pecking order? Is there a chain of command? Is there a food chain in this spiritual reality between us and God? Or are we pretty much, even though, you know, he's big, we're small, he's creator, we're created, but, you know, authority-wise, we're even. No, there's a pecking order, right? God is God, and we are the servants of God. We are the worshipers of God. God is above all. We are underneath God. There is a pecking order. Now, since there's a pecking order, we are servants of God. God is not a servant of us, right? It's not that we're here and God is our servant. We are here and we serve the Lord. We've been called to serve Him, to walk with Him, walk in His ways, serve the living God. We serve Him He is above, we are below. We bow to him. We worship him. But a lot of people think that maybe they haven't put it together in their heads, but they think God should be serving me. 
They have what's called an inverted relationship with God. There's actually a term for it. It's common enough to where people think that God should serve them, that they have named it an inverted relationship with God. That's where you've got servant and master, right? Who's the servant? Me. Who's the master? God. Let me ask you this. If there's a servant and a master, who's the one who's supposed to come through for the other person? The servant is supposed to come through for the master. But people get, got, people get mad at God because God doesn't come through for them. So if you're mad at God because God's not coming through for you, you're thinking, well, he must supposed to serve me, right? He's supposed to do this for me. He's supposed to do that for me. Now, hallelujah, he's gracious and kind and wonderful, and he takes care of his sheep. You can tell a lot by a shepherd, by the quality of the sheep. If they've been fed well, if they've been taken care of, they've gotten you know, the, all the things that they need, that's a good shepherd. We serve a good shepherd, but we are the servants. And he is God. So we need to make sure we don't have an inverted relationship with God. When we worship God, we have to know that we are worshiping an awesome, magnificent, incredible being that is way beyond who we are. And in our circles, you know, the pastor guy's walking around with his coffee cup and having fun, wear jeans most of the time, got the tie because it's communion Sunday, so I'm getting all dressed up. But we do casual pretty well, right? That's our thing. We do casual. Is there a danger in casual? There can be when it slides into our relationship with God and having that start to be less reverent than it should be. If we become irreverent in our relationship with God, now we've taken the casualness of our physical environment and we've applied it to our relationship with God, which shouldn't be irreverent and too casual. It's God. If you are actually aware of God, like in God's fullness, what would you do right now? You know, I mean, most of us, I think, would hit the ground. The rest would run. You know, I mean, like, that's... That's just the natural thing to do in the presence of the Almighty. And so if we're too casual with God, it can be a problem. Now, stiff and ritualistic isn't the answer, right? You're like, okay, well, stiff isn't how to go. What we need to do is we need to have an intimate relationship with God that's also a reverent relationship with God, a very close relationship with God but a relationship that bows before God, that it acknowledges God as God in a worshipful sense. And so it's very important for us to understand our relationship with God because if we are told to worship God and we think we're peers, it's not going to make sense. If we're told to worship God and we think He's my servant, it's not going to make sense. He's the one with all the power. He's the one with all the strength. He is the one that sustains everything in all of this reality. He's the one that's going to make the sky roll back as a scroll. He is magnificent and incredible and amazing. And our relationship with him is we're little itty bitty things. He is huge and magnificent and wonderful. So as we worship, we need to understand our relationship with God. Worship 
that God doesn't like? Are there types of worship that God does not like? Well, let me tell you one kind. If you've read the Ten Commandments, you know that God does not like to share. He doesn't like to share worship. It's like, I've heard it described, if I was to say to my wife, you know what, you're my favorite girlfriend. (laughs) Of, Of all the women in my life, you're on the top of the list. You know, is she gonna be like, oh, that's so nice, isn't that great? I've moved up from third. You know, she's not going to say that. That's where, you know, I'm going to be in danger of needing plastic surgery if I'm going to say something like that. So, and God's the same way. Well, but I worship you more than I worship these other things. No. God is exclusive in worship. We need to worship God and Him only. Let's read from the Ten Commandments, Deuteronomy. Chapter 5, starting in verse 8. The word says, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Is he a jealous God? I looked that up. It's in there like six times in the Bible. In one place, my name is jealous. It says. Is he insecure? No. But he understands that if we go after other things to worship them, it's going to destroy us. And the system is set up. We're to worship God and him alone, him only. We're not to have a divided thing. We can't serve God and money. We can't serve God and other religions. We have to serve only one master, our God. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Have have you guys heard about generational curses? Like there's the same thing goes generation to generation. Let me tell you something. When you get born again, you are grafted into the family of God. And your father is almighty God himself. You are a child of God. So identify with that lineage and that heritage and take on that spiritual reality. Don't take on the spiritual reality of the sins of your forefathers. Understand that you are free from those generational curses. They do not belong to you because you are a child of God. But there is a reality to this as well if you don't get free from it and become a child of God. Punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Hallelujah. God does not like to share. Is that okay or is that unreasonable? That's okay. That's good. It's right. Another type of worship that God does not like is hypocritical worship. Oh, Isaiah chapter one. You ready for some? Cringe factor stuff. Isaiah chapter 1, starting in verse 10. This is, uh, there's no holding back on this. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. He's talking to Israel. He's calling them by different names. Verse 11. The multitudes of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? 
I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. Man. This is God talking to them about how they do church. How they give offerings. This is, this is harsh stuff. It's very harsh stuff. Why? Why so harsh? Now, are you, do you understand there's a hierarchy? <laughs> God is in control. We are underneath. Let's keep going because it's going to start making sense here. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. So what is God saying to these people? He's saying, okay, you're going through all the religious things. You're doing the feasts and the convocations and you're bringing offerings and you're gathering together. You're trampling my courts, but you're not worshiping me because you're not following my ways. Your heart isn't there. You're doing evil and you're pretending to be the people of God. It's hypocritical worship. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. This is an allusion to Jesus coming on the cross to die, to take our sins away. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. If you won't humble your heart before God and do right by Him, singing loud in church isn't going to make up for it. Worship that is hypocritical is not acceptable to God. He is interested in our heart first and foremost. Um, Now, does that mean you have to be perfect? No, you just have to be real. It's perfectly fine to be not there yet. It's perfectly fine to have all kinds of issues and problems and things that you're dealing with. Just don't pretend you're perfect and look down on everybody else because... They're the same as you. Hypocritical worship is worship that God does not accept. Also, if you're, this is a little bit hypocritical, but let's take it down a notch and just say it's distracted worship. You know, you can sing songs and have a good time enjoying the song. Is that worship? No, that's music. Uh, let's look at, let's read Mark 7. Just, just let's read just verse 8. Just verse 8 of Mark chapter 7. Jesus says, You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on 
to the traditions of men. You're just doing people stuff. It's just people stuff. That's not worship to God. That's going through people motions. You know, I could teach people to raise their hands. Does this mean you're worshiping? No, it means your hands are up. You know, if we took a video of it, it'd look pretty exciting. It must be revival going on. Everybody's got their hands in the air. Well, guess what? You know, when the Vikings score on the Bears here in about half an hour, their hands are going to be up too. You know, that's not worship. That's just hands in the air. I'm, not, I'm afraid. Because here's what the Vikings do. They embarrass you. And then you are mad. And then they start doing good things. And then you're like, oh, they're, they're going to be good. They're going to be good. And then they're like, splash! And they just lay an egg and it's terrible. And then you're crushed again. You know? And then they draw you back in with hope. And then, spoof, they smash it again. It's the story of my life. That's what the Vikings do. I think we're there. I think we're get, we might get blown out today by the bears. Hey, no, no. Get behind me, Satan. All right. Talking about worship. We want to worship God. We don't want to get distracted by the things of the world and just be doing things. So what sort of worship does God like? He doesn't like hypocritical worship. He doesn't like sharing worship. He doesn't like when his things just, he's forgotten in the midst of them. What does he like? Let's read Psalm 100. Psalm 100, verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Does he like for his people to gather together and sing joyful songs? Absolutely. Can you sing a joyful song and not be worshiping? Sure. But guess what? You can be singing a joyful song and be worshiping. It's one of the ways that that God receives worship that's acceptable to him. To come together and sing joyful songs. Another type of worship that God accepts besides singing is living well, living well, living right, being honest before him, day by day walking out your faith. That's worship. Let's read Romans 12.1. Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is the the servanthood part of worship. So many different, very interesting words translated worship. There are are words that are, what they mean is a, a dog licking the hand of its master. It's translated worship. There are words that are, what they mean is, is to be a general laborer. To be an unskilled laborer. To be a servant is worship. So all kinds of interesting different words besides singing songs and, and paying homage in your heart. This is being a servant of God, walking it out day by day, not being a hypocritical worshiper, but living out your faith. That's worship that God accepts. So when I make a choice on a, a Tuesday 
to do the right thing instead of the wrong thing, that's worship. It's acceptable worship to God. Offering ourselves as living sacrifices is acceptable worship to God. Another way we can worship God that's indicated in the scriptures is by sacrifices or tithes and offerings by giving. That's worship. In the Old Testament, it was one of the primary ways that that worship was described. When Abraham took his son Isaac up on the mountain to sacrifice his son, if you know that story, Abraham said to those he was with, me and the boy will go up and worship. And then we'll come back. The sacrifice was worship. It was humbling before God. Tithes and offerings, that's worship. Now, can you give and have it not be worship? Sure. But guess what? You can give and have it be worship. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a place you want to get to. The Magi came. They gave Jesus gifts and gold and all that stuff. And they described that as worship. We're going to close here in just a second. So I want to invite the ushers and the prayer team forward to start handing out communion elements. It's communion Sunday, so first Sunday of the month, we take communion. And uh, at Good Hope Church, if you want to take communion, go ahead. You know, uh, we don't check and see if you qualify or whatever. If you want to take communion, go ahead. But make it real between you and God. You know what I mean? This is a matter of the heart. This is a type of worship as well, where we, we go through these things, these sacraments. And so that's a type of worship But let's look at the most common description of worship in the scriptures is a description that includes bowing down. Go ahead. To bow down is what worship means more often than not. To bow down, to humble ourselves. Let's read from Nehemiah chapter 8, starting in verse 5. Nehemiah 8. Now let me set the stage here. So the Israelites had been kicked out of Israel. They'd been hauled away as captives. And Israel was destroyed. The walls were knocked down. The temple was destroyed. And now the remnant was coming back. They were reestablishing the the city of Jerusalem. They were reestablishing temple worship. And so this was a great moment of rebirth for the nation of Israel. And Ezra, the priest, is is leading the service. And here's where we pick it up. Verse 5. Ezra opened the book. This is the scriptures, the Pentateuch, the, the five books, the first five books of the Old Testament. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. So the scriptures were opened. The multitudes that were present all stood to honor what was being read. Verse 6. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. They started having a, a worship service right there. They were doing the praise part of worship. They were doing the fun song at the beginning. They were excited and ecstatic. And then an awareness of the power and the presence of God came upon them. And they brought their hands down. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They all lowered themselves to the ground 
and worshiped God by bowing down. Now, worship is a matter of the heart, but the heart will show itself, right, through facial expressions, through body postures, things like that. And you can't posture yourself in such a way as to fake worship. But if you've got a real experience with God going on, it's likely going to be visible from the outside. And I've found postures very important. When I pray, I bow. If you've never prayed on your knees in your life, something special happens when you get on your knees. Posturing ourselves in the right way is part of worshiping God. It's not a weird, crazy, religious thing to bow down on the ground and worship God. It can help put your heart in the right place. They bowed down. They worshiped God. They learned what the Bible had to say. That was acceptable worship. This morning, as we take communion together here in just a little bit, this can be acceptable worship. Where we honor God for what He's done. Where we acknowledge our need for Him. That only through His provision of grace are we set free from sin and given eternal life. You know, some people think, well, God wants me to worship Him. What kind of a arrogant type of being is that? He wants me to worship Him. That's just, that's just not catching on to what's going on. Our God is not arrogant. If He was arrogant, we'd all be gone already. He'd have taken us out. The fact of the matter is, we serve a God that is mighty, magnificent, incredible, that can create realities like this entire reality He created. And yet, He humbles Himself to take our sins away to make us worthy to be part of his eternal kingdom. He's loving, he's merciful, he's gracious, and he's kind. But a right response to understanding that is worship. Is bowing our hearts, bowing our knee, bowing our lives, lending our voices, bringing offerings and sacrifices. Because we know the sacrifice that Jesus made is more than we could possibly give because he gave himself for us. So let's pray and let's partake of communion together. Heavenly Father, we honor you. We worship you. We give you praise. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you've done for us. We remember that you're, we remember what you've done, that you allowed yourself to be tried and beaten and crucified that we could be healed and forgiven and receive eternal life. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Let's partake together. This is the body of Christ which is broken for you. Hallelujah. And this is the blood of Christ which was shed for you. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. Thank you for taking our sin and washing it away.
making our garments white as snow. You are so good. You are so kind. We worship you. I'm going to close in prayer in just a second. The prayer team is up here. If you've got a personal prayer need, do not hesitate to come down. Receive prayer, whatever the need may be. If you want to start a relationship with Jesus, come down, get prayer. If you've got a physical need, a financial need, a relationship need, you need a blessing, some encouragement, come down, get prayer. We want to receive good things from God. Well, let's close, and then I'll open the front up for prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we honor you and we worship you. You are mighty and good. We praise your name. I pray a blessing over each person in this place. I pray, Lord, your peace would go with us, that your love would overflow in our hearts, and that your light would shine into our world through us. So bless us and encourage us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Come on down for prayer. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord this morning.